0: Episode 2 of the Meditation Freedom Podcast.
1: Where meditation meets daily life. This is the Meditation Freedom Podcast.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. I am recording this right now on New Year's Eve of 2014, so this is a uh, special night, and what I've got today for you is an interview with Ayla Ruby Hart. Ayla has immersed herself in the healing arts since 1987, taking it up professionally in 1991, and she has been a student and daily practitioner of meditation ever since. She does what she calls human soul work since 1992. In addition to her energy intuitive gifts, she is also trained and certified in massage, body work, acupressure, reiki, and hypnotherapy. She calls herself a holistic health practitioner because that encompasses all her skills and focuses on human health as a whole. From personal experience, she also understands some of the impacts of abuse, trauma, and chronic illness, and the challenges of anxiety depression, and stress. Hila further writes, I have learned that energy well-being is not a goal to achieve or a race to win and does not need to compete with others for it. I realized it in my own way and in my own time. These practices have certainly helped her with her own healing and also helped her stay consistent and true whenever she faces stress and anxiety and all of the life's challenges. Most importantly, they give Hila a foundation for living her life with integrity, purpose, and harmony. She believes each of us has our own path to follow as we seek truth, wisdom, and enlightenment. Originally from England, she now lives in Spokane with her husband, Pat, and her friendly dog, Mitzi. If you're hearing some breathing in the interview, that's just her dog, Mitzi. And apparently the microphone was pointed at her sleeping in her basket. She was looking very peaceful and her breathing hopefully will enhance the interview. When Ella is not working, she enjoys making jewelry, dances, and all kinds of forms of artistic expression. And some of the other things she does is she practices Nia, Brima, and yoga, and also writes, walks, and spends time with her husband and her friends. Here's the interview with Ela Ruby Hart. Thanks so much for being willing to do this interview. And I guess one of my first questions would be, how did you get to your particular practice, and, and what is it that you're practicing?
1: Well, as far as the meditation, which is the foundation of my own personal practice as well as my professional practice, how I came to find that um, source for myself was back in 92 when I was going through a lot of change. I'd moved over to this country, I'd gone through... A massage course. I've gone through a lot of personal healing and upheaval and so I was seeking. I was seeking. I was looking. And as often times when we start looking, then we start getting a few signposts, a few nudges to get us in the direction. And it was actually a co-worker that I was working with who introduced me to my teacher and said, you know, come along with me and listen to her speak and see what you think, and so I did, and there was there was quite a number of um, things that, that I, I went through as far as learning, mm-hmm. but certainly the foundational piece for me was the meditation, and this form of meditation being an energy meditation. So as a body worker, as a massage therapist at that time, I'd been introduced to energy work and I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know what this ethereal thing called energy was or how I responded to it or indeed what part it was going to play in my life. And so the meditation that I was taught and learned at the time was what my teacher called energy housekeeping. Hmm. Basically how to ground myself, how to center myself, and how to clear, heal, balance, and align my own energy, working with the auric field and working with the chakras.
0: And, and so are you saying the, the energies initially were more uh, scattered, and so you found that this was a way to to align those energies or focus those energies more?
1: Um, Not so much that I recognized that they were scattered, but just that I didn't really know. I didn't really know. I felt. I sensed. And and certainly working with people, I could sense an energy field. I could um, feel things through my hands, but I didn't really know what that was. And in order for me to be a more, for want of a word, a better practitioner for my my professional work, I needed to know what my energy was. I needed to know what the difference was between my physical energy and my mental energy and my emotional energy and my spiritual energy and to see the difference also between energy that was mine that I was responsible for and energy that I may have inadvertently picked up from working with other people or just being in the world.
0: So you're able to then let go of that energy better, that, that you, have the extra energy that you pick up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. By focusing on my own, mm-hmm. by focusing on what is mine and asking to get to know my own energy, then it became really clear. Oh, well, that's not mine. Mm-hmm. That energy feels like this person or that person. Or what often I would find is that In my experience growing up, say for example, anger, anger had been mirrored to me in a certain way, so I didn't want to feel my anger, because I'd seen anger on a very destructive level, and I didn't want to feel my own, so whenever I started to feel angry, I would cry, I would just basically cry and sob and and feel more fear than I would anger. So that's just one example of, with this support of the meditation and that quiet time, to really begin to receive and, and open myself up to experiencing, what does my anger feel like? And can I sit with my own anger and let go of what i think it's supposed to feel like
0: mm-hmm.
1: or what i've been told it's meant to feel like because we all receive that kind of imprint and conditioning so for me that's that's pretty much how i came to this particular form of meditation is that big eternal question who am i right who am I, and how can this meditation and this teaching support me in knowing who I am? Mm-hmm.
0: And so how did that, working with that anger, for example, how did that then change, and, and how were you able to transform it into something that, that was more workable or more beneficial to, you, to your path?
1: Well, I think any time that I get to know something of myself, And, you know, when we're talking about emotions, our emotions really just want to be felt. We don't necessarily have to do anything with them. We don't even have to analyze them or track them back to, oh, that's, you know, because this, that, and the other happened in my childhood. But just to have that experience to say no, this, this, I need this, I'm a human being, and I relate in the world, so I, I need my own anger, and to realize for myself that I only need a little drop of it to know what it is. And when I know what it is, and what it means, then, then I can receive it, and, and it, it, it expresses itself through me more authentically. So I don't get as riled up
0: mm-hmm. or
1: as upset. I, I don't need to fall into a little heap on the floor and, and become this muddy puddle of tears or frustration because I can't express a boundary or, or something that I want or need. Mm-hmm. So that's really where it's helped me in terms of, Oh, okay. <laughs> You know this this anger thing doesn't have to be something to be feared or something to be fixed or gotten rid of
0: covered up
1: Oh yeah it it's just a natural part of who I am and it helps me stand up for myself it helps me be a better human being so that to me was the kind of revelation as it were of of this understanding of of energy mm-hmm. And the only way I can really get to know that energy is to sit quietly and provide for myself a, a safe place with the support of my essence. Call that spirit divine, you know, plug in whichever word works for you. Mm-hmm. But to, to have that support... To say, oh, it's okay being human, it's okay this human life of mine.
0: Right. And so you, you feel you're becoming more authentic to them, right? Indeed. You're feeling like you don't have to, you know, pretend to be somebody else. Or exactly. Or behave some way that somebody is expecting.
1: Yes, yes. And and not even telling myself how I'm supposed to be. Right. Because we get a lot of those messages that we then turn internally to say, oh, I should be this way or I should do this or I should think this or feel this. Yeah. To kind of empower the the genuine emotional energy itself to speak to me. Or physical energy or mental energy or spiritual energy. Because they're all valid, they're all part of who I am in this world.
0: So you become more aware of conditioning to them. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's liberating to let some of yes. that go. Girl- Indeed.
1: <laughs> Amen to that, yes. Yeah.
0: Well you mentioned earlier about mindfulness walking. Maybe yes. you can explain that a little bit. Yeah,
1: that's that's something that I've started locally and it was through a meetup group called Misadventures. And the idea of of just posting a walk that had the focus of mindfulness, had the focus of being quiet, whereas most of the walks and hikes that were posted through the site were about the scenery or about how long or far you could walk and and, and more of a social atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I'll see. I'll just see if anybody's interested in exploring a different way of walking. So we, we get together and, um, there's, you know, anything from two to twelve people who join me. Um, that's the most I've had walking so far. And we, we focus in the beginning on something very simple, which might be feeling our feet. So each step that we take, we really focus on being present and being grounded into our feet and what that feels like. And rather than social chitty chat, we choose to be quiet. It's not that we're absolutely silent because if one of us sees a beautiful view or something unusual, we may point that out to other people. But for the most part, we just stay quiet and keep our own space and we walk half an hour out half an hour back and then at the end if anybody wants to share their experience they do and what I found from that is a lot of people are very interested in that quiet time just that introspection and that reflective time to enjoy the walk and what they're seeing but also to enjoy themselves in the Mm -hmm. process and For women, particularly, walking alone is not necessarily something that is that safe or that supported in our culture. So the fact that we have that camaraderie, as it were, that mutual support of other women walking together, there there is a great support in that, and everybody keeps their own space, and yet there is this tremendous feeling of we're together Mm -hmm. we are united in this in, in this experience even though each one of us has our own personal experience of what the walk felt like for us so it's a very sensate experience and really beginning that practice of the inner harmony and the outer harmony Mm -hmm. working together our inner self our inner dialogue our inner thoughts our inner feelings and what's going on around us the the two can be very reflective and I think nature is wonderful for that
0: right
1: you know we see a beautiful tree or a flower or a bird and there's something very liberating and very supportive in that and we often walk along the river so we'll see the river in its different seasons, and sometimes that turbulence of the water churning feels actually invigorating and enlivening, refreshing, and mm. sort of reflects that inner turmoil sometimes of when we're going through something and changing and
0: growing. Yeah, so it's it's almost like the people can, can recognize some part of themselves in that river.
1: Yes, Yes. There's that sort of mutual support again, Mm -hmm. the environment to our humanity, our humanity to the environment, that, yes, we're different, but yet there's there's that reflective quality that we each have to share and
0: be a part of. Yeah. And you mentioned also earlier that, that for people it's an easier step into meditation to do something like mindfulness walking than to go and sit on a pillow and, you know, sit for 30 minutes. and What are some of the things people have said uh, after these walks that, that explain how that benefited them?
1: The, the one predominant experience that comes up over and over again that people register with is this sense of inner peace, calmness and relaxation, which I think is a culture we just crave. we mm. need. We need that quiet time, that calm time. And so anything that allows us that opportunity to just gently make that transition from busy, 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 I've been at work and this happened and that happened and I've got this demand and that demand on my energy to say, okay, this is my space, my time where I can just start taking those steps or breaths or whatever it may be into this more tranquil, more harmonious state. And it's not forced. We're not trying to get there.
0: It's not goal oriented. Yes,
1: we're allowing it to unfold. We're allowing it to happen through either sitting meditation or through walking. But the first step in is that what what is it to relax? So many of us don't know what that means. When I first was told through a massage that I needed to relax, I'm like, I am relaxed, what do you mean? I don't know what relaxation (laughs) is. It was something that I had to learn through experience and through allowing it to happen. And in that scenario, through touch, So we have these different ways within our culture that do support that transition into a more relaxed state of being and through touch, through breathing, through walking, through music. You mentioned music. That's a very big part of how we make that transition. We can't just go from busy, busy, busy to now I'm this Zen Buddha Master,
0: you Oops. know. <laughs> it just goes off without it. <laughs> Well, that's okay.
1: That is okay. <laughs> it is, it is very difficult to go from running around here, there, and everywhere doing, doing, doing goal oriented got to go here, got to pick up stuff at the store for dinner, and then I've got to call so-and-so, and, you know, we have this whole list of things in our mind that, that just, we need you know. to do. And so we each, in our own way, require some way to transit from that space into a more inner quietitude And it's not that when we sit and meditate that comes that easily because there's still, it's like the soda can that gets shaken and and opened and the spray comes out. There's still this frenetic energy of thoughts careering around or emotions whooped up. But the more that we go there, the more that we take the time to slow down, to allow this, this, relaxation to unfold, even if we don't know exactly what it is, we will begin to have those tastes of a moment of a really deep breath that feels so good that we notice, oh, our shoulders relax. Mm -hmm. How great that is.
0: Yeah, it's just like with, in my case, uh, when I was about 16 years old, which is still considered young my shoulders were just super tight and and the only way i found out was because my tai chi teacher says oh your shoulders are like you know 16 layers of tightness and you know you're going to need to do some tai chi because i was thinking well i'm only 16 years old and it's already just she's saying it's like mm-hmm. a, a tight as a as a rock so it starts early
1: it does as as a body worker and massage therapist and an energy worker i've i've Encountered young children, very young children already, picking up that tightness that, um, like a, a, a coil, you know, ready to spring load mm-hmm. and um, explode because there's there's just this tension
0: in the body. Over the years, have you seen or has your practice changed? according to the times you were in or the you know maybe other times of stress or maybe times where everything was going great and what kept you going with your practice at those times
1: the the meditation itself that the, that I've learned and I teach is so malleable to whatever is is going on so it can be very personalized to support both the ups and the downs, the, all the in-betweens of, of life, which is why I think it, it really does serve and support me no matter what's going on. So it really is my go-to. And I find if I miss a day or a couple of days, I really miss it. Mm-hmm. And, and I truly want to go back and sit.
0: Do you feel like some physical manifestation that you're missing that meditation?
1: Um, nothing specific, but it's, it's more of a holy longing mm. that, that I feel because I feel so much more myself, so much more connected with, with what is divine to me in that time that it's, it's so important and the way that i began because of course i didn't feel that way in the first you know few months of, of practice but what i found is when i disciplined myself in a in a in a gentle way to say okay each morning when i get up i'm going to get myself something to drink and i'm going to sit and I use a blanket in the winter. I have a specific chair that I use that, you know, helps support me mm-hmm. in, okay, this, this is my time now. This is my time to meditate.
0: And you have a dedicated room too. I do. Yeah. So, so Not
1: everybody has that mm-hmm. facility in their house. I'm, you know, blessed in that way. But just for me, having mm-hmm. the chair first and foremost was, Finding finding a chair that I really felt comfortable sitting in, and I didn't need to collapse into the chair, but I could just sit comfortably
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and feel like yeah this this is my place. Of course, you know on the road I can't count my chair with me, right. <laughs> so on the road it becomes more challenging. And I understand, you know, the more that we practice meditation, I think we understand that there are some days. When just we just sit and we don't really get into any kind of meditative state. We may not even relax very much, but we sit. We take ourselves there anyway and sit. And then there are some days when we feel so deeply in that altered awareness, that relaxation, that peace, that... It it just feels so blissful, and anywhere in between. Some days my mind's and and I can't seem to shut it off, and that's that's the common kind of complaint I hear. You know, well, I tried to meditate, but I can't shut off my mind. No, we can't shut off my our minds. Of course, we can't.
0: My teacher's teacher says that you can see thoughts as like the stomach excreting acids. It's the same way the brain excretes thoughts, and you know, some days it's busy, and some days it's not so busy. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's not that we have to follow every one of them or really pay them that much attention, other than hey, I'm thinking.
0: So, so you have students as well, right? Mm -hmm. So, what do you, what would you, uh, what do you tell students when they say, you know, I can't, I just can't do it. It's too, it's always busy, and how do you encourage them to? To keep on this practice.
1: Well, certainly, um, the taste of meditation first comes through, at least with the practice that I teach, my guidance, so that my voice itself guides them in the experience, and it is so much easier as any any of the listeners have picked up some CD, some relaxation CD, where somebody's voice is coaching them through the experience, they can sink in a little deeper. Their mind is already focusing on the words, so there's, there's a placekeeper, as it were, for the thoughts. And so it, it really is a nice, easy way in. So any of the students that I work with receive that support on a regular basis. And then in the meantime, they practice on their own. And of course, it's much different when we practice on our own to when we are guided through an experience. Mm -hmm. So there are challenges there. And so the encouragement is to just give it time. Give yourself the time and and just keep immersing yourself. Be willing to immerse yourself in the experience. And the meditation that I teach actually has a specific visualization for the mind to be focused upon. So again, the mind is given a job to do right. in yeah. this meditation.
0: Because it likes doing that.
1: The mind wants to do something, yes.
0: And and in your case, what is that uh, that visualization?
1: Well, I I guide them through a grounding practice. I guide them through a centering practice. And then utilizing light as a source of, of energy and support for whatever it is that they need. And that light source then also being able to magnetize out or draw out anything that they don't need. Same with the grounding cord. Anything that they may be stressing over, the extra, the the soda can that has somewhere to go. You know, there's actually a grounding. And for those who have challenges with the visualization aspect, because not all of us are visual. Right. There is enough sensory, sensate experience to focus on, so that too, the mind focusing on the actual physical sensations, the energy sensations that are going on, what grounding actually feels like,
0: also helps. Mm -hmm. And do you you also do like a body scan where you're asking people to feel various parts of their body to become more aware or mindful of those parts?
1: Certainly that's that can be part of the meditation. The meditation really is there to serve and support whatever needs attention. And certainly we we don't just pop into a meditative state. Again, we need to have a means of stepping in that. Mm -hmm. So, yes, to first of all just sit Mm -hmm. and say, hey, what's going on? What am I feeling? How is my body? Oh, my body feels a little stiff. My neck's a little sore. Mm -hmm. We might do a few little adjustments, but then focusing on, oh, what is it like to trust my body to be able to hold me up and sit and trust the chair that's supporting me, and then we start to sink into that support and and begin that process of relaxation so that the deeper focus then naturally follows. Is this like your this primary? this is my primary work, yeah, yeah, I'm either working with clients individually through the body balancing or teaching meditation in groups or individuals. So yeah this is this is my work. I'm fortunate that my work itself is relaxing. <laughs> well, that's,
0: that's pretty good. <laughs> Which really does support me <laughs> in,
1: immensely too. So it it is a two-way street there. Um,
0: do you have any favorite parts of this practice and then you know how it, how you experience it in your work or
1: Well the the beauty of this this teaching is that it it's so relatable to day-to-day work. So I may spend some time in my meditation focusing on my resource of safety. Safety is around the root chakra, um, that, that grounding support, that being safe in my body, being safe in the world. So I may spend some time in meditation contemplating what that is. And then during the day, I may take a few moments here and there to just pause and remind myself of what that safe feeling is, what it is to be safe in that moment and to know that I am the grounding and the centering that I practice on a day to day basis in the meditation. I may get into the car and before I actually drive off, take a moment to ground into the seat to ground myself as I'm sitting in the car, to center myself before I actually turn on the ignition and start driving off.
0: That's great. So that probably sets you up for being much more mindful at that point. Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, yes. And it works the other way, too. If I get that sort of trigger of, you know, because we're out in the world and things just seem to sideswipe us because we aren't grounded at the time, that then that just gives me a, a reminder then to say, oh, better ground, better center, better breathe. Right. And then I know better how to respond.
0: Yeah, so there's a, a small period of response there where you can kind of guide yourself how, how you're going to respond. And, and that I imagine that period grows over time, you know, where maybe years ago you, you might be more tempted to react. Mm-hmm. And whereas now you're, you're actually giving your pause to yourself and you might actually be able to provide a totally different response that's informed by your practice.
1: Yes. And, and it, it is practice. It is work. That's the work part of the meditation is, is how it integrates into day to day living. And I'm certainly not perfect at it. You know, like anybody else, I, I have those moments where I do feel side swiped or I'm not very present. Um, the difference is, I know where to go, to regroup, to reground, to yeah, re- refocus. Yes, yeah. and and it's much like a, a child learning to walk. That they're, they're going to walk and and fall down, but there's so much more motivation to get back up. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a drive to be up on all you know two two legs and walk. So it's something that's almost beyond. Their um, human sort of capacity, their developmental level at that age is, is, is an inner drive, a compulsion to say, no, I, I need to practice walking and they'll fall and they'll fall and they'll totter and teeter, but they still, they still stand up. They still right. take those steps. And that's how I feel the meditation practice is, you know, it's, it's continually practicing and, and certainly being out in the world. And then, okay, this happened. Oh boy. Time to go sit. Right. I need to sort out for myself how I'm feeling here. I, I feel riled up. You know, this situation, this circumstance that I'm going through is, is really challenging for me. So I need to regroup and say, okay, what do I really need? How, how do I take care of myself? What can I learn here? Which is, you know, pretty much.
0: Yeah, it's a very different way of interacting with the world than than seeing the world as something outside that's going to do something to you. Or yes, you know.
1: yes. In instead of controlling, trying to control everything that's going on, or micromanage, which is often the kind of reactive state, right? The fear state of of being out in the world is. You know, I've got to do something and, and to get all the ducks lined up in a row so that I feel safe. Rather than be doing that, there's much more of an inner taking charge of, of my emotional state, taking charge of what I need and knowing that I can respond to that.
0: In a very centered way as opposed to being yes. thrown off center.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, because there's a lot of craziness, let's face it, in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and the more sensitive we are, the more open we are, as, as we expand our awareness, as we expand our consciousness, we're, we're sensitive to that. So we need some stability and we need that stable foundation so that we can expand. So it's this constant going back to the basics. And taking care of the day to day things of of being in the world, so that we can expand, so that we can be more open and more light, if you like, for for other people. Mm-hmm. Be be a light. Be a source of inspiration for mm-hmm. for
0: others. Have you found that if it affects the people around you also that how your inner state in state of being is?
1: Most certainly. Most certainly. When when I'm working, um, even with my friends, my family, I I have a different point of view now. Um, We often think with our friends, oh, I can do whatever I like, say whatever I like, because my friends love me and they accept me the way I am. So we kick off our shoes and show them our stinky feet and, oh, it's okay, it's just my friend. I won't make an effort for my friend because, hey, they they, they love me anyway. Or family member. Mm. However, my mindset is somewhat different, is that I want to show up. I want to show up and and, and be attentive and be responsive and responsible for my own self. So I'm not... The, the, here's, here's a really big difference that I've noticed with myself. I used to spend hours on the phone talking to my mother or talking to my friends. Oh, this happened and that happened, blah, 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 blah. I still do some of that because I'm a human being and it's nice to share what's going on in my life. But I certainly don't need it half as much. I don't need to have somebody to kind of dump my day on.
0: Wow.
1: Because... I just don't need to do it anymore. I don't get involved in as much drama. I don't create as much drama as I used to. That's probably the biggest significant difference in in my life anyway, that I could say and, and directly lead back to saying, this meditation has helped me be a better person,
0: really. Show up better. Getting back to also your energy, it sounds like you're, you're very consciously aware of, of these energies and how they manifest themselves.
1: Well, it, it's more about the more I pay attention to my own energy field, it kind of naturally then exudes this um, atmosphere that other people resonate to. And it's not like I'm changing them. But I, I'm I'm aware that there's something about the field that I'm generating helps and supports them right. to relax a little bit, to to be more comfortable, yes. to feel safer. The more safe I feel in my own skin, the more I naturally give them the right to feel safe in theirs.
0: Right. Yeah, so it's not so much about changing other people it's more about how you change yourself helps other people yeah or, or makes it worse or makes it better
1: it it just has a little ripple effect yeah. it just has a little ripple effect and mostly for those who are receptive because there are certainly those who certainly do not want to change or or that's not even in their consciousness
0: but i found that even even with folks that may not be Wanting to change at all, if they come at you with, say, a lot of anger, and your own inner state is very calm, mm-hmm. then you could deescalate that situation uh, much quicker than than if you had a different attitude or you or reacted back. So, so even people that are uh, not receptive could still be affected. Yes. Uh, that way. Yeah,
1: that's very true. That's mm-hmm. very true. And also, it works in a way that the more honest we are with ourselves the more honest then we can be with somebody else, the more human we are and, and taking ownership for that we're not perfect and we do make mistakes. But if we can honestly own our mistakes and and sincerely apologize to somebody, then they really resonate with that. Right. You know, that's, that's what I've found, is that, that the people really resonate with the truth even Even if we're attempting to to speak our truth and it's it's coming out a little bit disjointed, and maybe we don't have all the words to express, there's something energetically that we respond to that this person is is doing their best to be honest and and be authentic with me. And it's very different to being with somebody who we can recognize has walls up and, you know, has a facade of smiley face and, and you just picking up from their body language. They, they don't feel smiley. They don't feel happy. It's, it's a put on. You know, we crave that, um, openness and that generosity of spirit that just says, you know, this is true for me right now. And the difference is I'm not expecting you, Seiko, to know what my truth is or to even agree with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's something that we can resonate with to say, oh, I can see that that's, that's very real for that person.
0: Right.
1: And it it all works, it's all subjective depending on what we've experienced, what we know. The more knowledge and knowing we have, the greater responsibility we have. And as I say to my students, it's it's not a heavy word, responsibility. It's the ability to respond. Our ability to respond becomes greater when we know more, when we've experienced more. So yes, there is a greater responsibility that we carry but in actuality, it's a greater ability to respond, so it's a good thing. It's not a heavy thing.
0: Right. Well, that's a really nice way that you're articulating that. If people want to learn more about your particular practice, mm-hmm. um, you know, if it resonated with them, where would they go? And, you know, and even if you have a webpage page or, or some kind of information source that they can go to, where would they go to?
1: Well, I have a website, and that's www energy-well-being.com um, My name is Ayla Ruby Hart and so there's not many people that have that name so right. <laughs> even putting in that name usually brings them to me <laughs> um, and then the walking meditation is through a meetup group called Ms. Adventures okay, this is great Well thank, thank you, you.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Hila Ruby Hart. You can find out more about Ila by either going to the show notes on the meditationfreedom.com slash 002, or you can go directly to her own website, which is at www.energy-well-being.com. If you live out of the Spokane area, she will do long-distance work through Skype or phone. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the interview, just leave some comments on the website. I'd love to see what you're thinking, any comments you have, or other questions you might have from the interviewee. I wish you a great 2015, and I'll be bringing you more content and more guests. Talk to you later.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on the Meditation Freedom podcast where meditation meets daily life.